If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and today we are talking about finding friends, finding friends, moving from uh, independence, isolation, to interdependence in our friendships. We believe that, uh, that the community of friends that you long for is not in the past, it's in the future. We believe that the community of friends you long for is not in the past, it's in the future. Uh, I remember just about six years ago, my wife and I were somewhat new to this community, and our dear family friends, uh, Brant and Michelle Perigo, uh, decided to leave Lincoln and move back to the Midwest. They were going to leave us here all alone without any family. Can you imagine the audacity of that? They gave us that announcement when we were on our way on the five down for our, uh, our 20th anniversary, and we were so down for a moment, and then we realized, you know what? This is actually an opportunity. We, we've discovered that once we got to L.A. traffic. It's actually an opportunity for us to find community right here, to find friends and family right here in Natomas. And so we dug in and we began identifying friends as the community with whom we wanted to grow old. That happened. We found friends with whom we'll barbecue, with whom we'll travel. We found friends... Uh, uh, with whom we'll share season tickets with us. We found friends that uh, we want to do life with here. And we love our family, seriously. But we love the fact that we have family here in Natomas. We found community here. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of network, that kind of uh, framework for your own life? What the problem is, is that in America... Americans are afraid of community. They're afraid of deeper friendships for this reason. Because it limits their freedom and choice. Americans are afraid of community because it limits their freedom and choice, says Tim Keller. In America today, friendships are on a decline. Did you know that? The average American used to have, 10 years ago, six close friends In our decade, it's more like two. In fact, 25% of Americans say that they have not a close friend. (laughs) I don't want to be like that. I don't want to experience what some describe as the the plague of America, loneliness. I don't want to experience that. I don't want anyone I know to experience that. And so today, I want to feature this idea. The community you long for of friends is not in your past, it's in your future. I want to talk today, how do you get there? How do you get to that kind of community of friends so that you really enjoy uh, life at a high level? In fact, if you look at uh, some of those that reach their, you know, their 80s and 90s, you can see that they're no longer counting carbs. <laughs> Praise the Lord. They don't care. They're eating what they want. They're drinking what they want. But you know what they count more than anything? Friends. We do well learning from them. In fact, I like what C.S. Lewis says about friendship and community. Listen to this carefully. One doesn't realize in early life that the price of freedom is loneliness. Hear this again. One doesn't realize in early life that the price of freedom is loneliness. To be happy, 
one must be tied. To be happy, one must be tied. And so today, I want to take a moment to talk about what it looks like, feels like, to be tied. And I hope you leave thinking, gosh, God has a vision for my life that I have this community of friends, that I enjoy this, and that I experience friends for which I long. Uh, There's a surprise in the Bible. For those of you that are Christians, there's a surprise, I think, when Jesus talks about the kind of interdependence that Christians are to have on one another. Uh, It comes from uh, one of Jesus' co-workers, Paul's pen, and uh, he writes, he says that, the, uh, that in Christ, we belong to one another. Uh, in Christ, though, we're, though many form one body, that's the church he's referring to, each member belongs to one another. And what he's saying here is something we try to practice in our church. Hey, if you come over to my house, uh, I belong to you. you. You have refrigerator rights in my home. <laughs> the animal cookies are gone, don't worry. Uh, If you come over to my home, you have car rights. You need a car, it's yours. (laughs) If something goes wrong with it, I'd appreciate if you drop by the, you know, just kidding. In my house, uh, you have season ticket rights. You can enjoy my season tickets. Oh, I don't have them. If I'm in your home, I get to enjoy your season tickets. Uh, You care about my kids, I care about your kids. This is the community that we envision that I care about your work. I want to see you be successful at your job. If I can help, I want to help. Uh, And I sense the same from you. Wouldn't you like to have a group of friends like that? Uh, C.S. Lewis also says, there's no gathering quite as special as a gathering of friends around a fire. It's not time for a fire yet, but uh, a little early. But this winter, it will be to be around a few friends, around a fire to have the time to just stare into it and kind of take it all in is just the best. And I hope this fall you connect with friends. Well, how do we get there? I want to go to uh, the Bible this morning. It's our book. Uh, I want to go to it, and I want to show you a narrative. It's kind of a, it's a mariner's narrative. It's, it's, it's a marine navigation in the Mediterranean narrative that talks about discovering friends. And it was written by a physician who's a real detail guy and I think was on this actual voyage. It's in a book we call ACTS, A-C-T-S. If you want to smartphone it, it'll come right up. I'm going to be in ACTS 27 and 28. Uh, If you want, you can just Google ACTS 27 and it'll give you the whole chapter. I'm going to start reading in a moment from verse 19. Uh, And if if you have a Bible, open it up. It'll help. So what you're going to see here in a moment is uh, a big fail, a big mariner's fail in the first century where the leadership of this ship made a big mistake uh, that cost the threat of a lot of lives. Have you ever been in a scary situation where you were hanging on for dear life? I'm kind of a chicken when it comes to flying. I don't even like flying out of Denver or into Phoenix. I do not like that 100-foot drop. It just petrifies me. I'm getting better. 
Uh, I have a friend that uh, dropped into Salt Lake City this week on Delta Airlines. I didn't mean to throw that airline under the bus in case you work for Delta. But it hit the runway, and he says that it bounced up for at least seven seconds. They hit so hard. That does not, that's not the adrenaline rush I'm looking for personally. Uh, one of our own Southwest pilots showed me the plane that the engine burned and started, you know, doing scary things at 30,000 feet a couple weeks ago. Not interested. I like adrenaline rush. Not there. I would much prefer this Mariner's adrenaline rush in Axe. This is, I can swim and uh, I like the beach, so this is a lot more attractive. Let's look at it and discover how God is working ahead to give us the community we all long for, the friends we all long for uh, in our future. It's in Acts chapter 27. I'm going to read from uh, that doctor, Luke's pen, here in verse 10. Here it is. Paul, who's, who's a theologian, says, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives. But the centurion, he's the guy that's really in charge of this boat. What is he? He's the, he's the centurion. Say it with me. He's the, he's the centurion. Instead of listening to what Paul said, do you ever feel like Paul? No one's listening. (laughs) The centurion followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should all sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So Paul is stating that, hey, I, I'm giving you advice, don't do this. He's not a mariner. He's not a uh, man equated with the, the sea in, as part of his education, but he's smart enough to know it's after early October. And in early October, mariners know you don't try to navigate in the Mediterranean. Uh, they actually reference it, interestingly, to uh, a religious holiday in early um, October. So he gives them this admonition, and uh, then in verse 13, we see what happens. Uh, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster, not a good wind. What's it called? It's the Northeaster. (laughs) It swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. Verse 18, skip down a little bit. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next dips tackle overboard with their own hands when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all, what did they give up? All all hope of being saved. Have you ever been at that place where you feel like you've given up all hope of, for your place of employment, for your, uh, your marriage and family life, or dealt something very simple, an old car? <laughs> you gave up all hope. It's like, this is done. That's how this, uh, these passengers on this uh, ship were feeling. Um, they'd given up all hope. And what I see here as a first step in building the community of your future is this idea of forgiving 
fails. Forgiving fails. Do you know anyone that's failed lately? Do you, do you know anyone that's failed you personally lately? Uh, forgiving fails. The good news is there's plenty to forgive. And I want to walk you through the fail that actually happened here so you have kind of a, kind of a first century look at it. Uh, the unsuitable harbor that the owner and captain wanted to steer away from was a harbor you can go to online. It's called the Fairhaven Harbor. Uh, harbor. It, uh, it, it actually faces the south and southeast. And the owner of the ship that Paul's on, uh, as well, no doubt, as perhaps the centurion who was overseeing a ship of mostly prisoners. <laughs> this wasn't a princess cruise. Uh, didn't want to stay in this harbor because of the uh, susceptibility to of uh, the um, western, southwest winds. May have damaged the boat in the harbor. Um, and also, I would imagine the centurion, I don't know how many prisoners he was in charge of, but maybe he wasn't comfortable with spending the winter there. This is going to be a winter rest for them. It's October, so this could be five, six months. They're all going to be in this space. This was the uh, the unfavorable harbor as far as the owners were concerned. So this is what they did. They took a non-calculated careless risk. Have you ever done one of those? And uh, they just waited for that southwest wind and they sailed off the southern point of Crete. And you can see our red lines here. The, the most southern spot here is, it says, uh, Cauda and Fairhaven. That's the harbor that they, they moved out of. Their goal was just to move east along the shore with that southern wind to a more acceptable harbor. Their goal was just to move down 30 or so miles to a safer harbor where they would spend the winter. <laughs> a little risk, a little careless risk. The problem was is that they forgot what happens this time of year. And so they made a huge mistake, and for 14 days they were lost in the Mediterranean from the island of Crete all the way to Malta. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a ship that is, uh, that's, moving around and tossed around. Here's the deal. It was so bad, they did not eat for 14 days. <laughs> How bad do things have to be before we stop eating? Anybody need a get gut check? <laughs> no. How bad do things have to be if you stop eating? Pretty bad. For, maybe you skip a lunch meal. Tough, tough quarter financials for you. How bad do things have to be if you skip eating for a week? Pretty bad, right? Let's go to two weeks. This is a bad couple weeks in the middle of the Mediterranean. And uh, Paul Paul has every reason to say, I told you so. (laughs) I told you not to do this. I told you this would happen. (laughs) But he didn't. Paul forgave a fail. Paul forgave a fail. He overlooked a fail. Let me ask you, how good are you at overlooking a fail? at forgiving a fail and letting something just go and not not allowing that anger to become bitterness and that bitterness to become to grow root in your heart so that every time you think of this person or see him in the parking lot at Rayleigh's, you're avoiding him. 
how, or on your campus or at your place of work, how well do you manage fails around you? I want to tell you today that the beginning of your community in the future, your community of friends is not in the past, it's in the future. The beginning for you is forgiving fails. Forgiving fails. And here's the blessing. There's lots to forgive, aren't there? There are a lot of fails to forgive all around us all the time. And here's the win. The more fails you forgive, the more, anyone want to insert word? Friends you'll have. In fact, what you'll discover is that the very people that you're having to uh, forgive could be lifelong friends to you. You might be saying, that's bad news. I didn't come for bad news today. So let me, uh, let me tell you an example of an of a inability to forgive a fail. Uh, Leo Tolstoy, well-known uh, author in the, at the last part of the 19th, early part of the 20th century, before he got married to Sonia, he shared with Sonia his, uh, his journal. He wanted Sonia to see some of the relationships he had had in the past, And even though some of them were pretty lurid, he wanted her to see and kind of, you know, full disclosure, I want to know, I want you to know where I've been, okay? (laughs) Big mistake. Uh, Sonia read about this gal, uh, Axenia, okay? And uh, later in Sonia's life, when Leo was 82 and uh, Sonia was in in her early 80s as well, she journals. Almost half a century later, she journals this about Axenia, whom she read about in Leo Tolstoy's journal, (laughs) gifted to her before they got married. In her 80s, 50 years later, after she read it, she writes, one of these days I shall kill myself with jealousy. He relishes that peasant wench with her strong female body, and her sunburnt legs. She allures him just as powerfully now as she did all those years ago. Okay, maybe in your 30s or 40s, that could be an issue. They're in their 80s. Time to let that one go. Uh, I, I don't expect my wife to have, you know, Nike legs in her, in her 80s. Sonia can't let this in a bitterness in her heart she can't free herself of. Do you have a bitterness like that? Something you just, it just glued to you. You can't let it go. What do you do? How do you deal with a fail? How do you move past it? I think one of the best examples comes from probably one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Job. I love the way Job deals with his struggles to forgive his friends. What happened was is that his, Job experienced significant difficulty that was brought on by evil, brought on by the devil. Not God, not his circumstances. It was brought on by the devil. And throughout his difficulty of pain and pain, his friends told him why it was all happening. Never tell your friend why something bad is happening to them. Well, they just went off and said it's happening because you, you know, you didn't pay your taxes on time or you speed or whatever. They gave him this whole litany of reasons why. And at the end of it, God came to Job and he said to Job, Job, I'm angry at your friends for the advice they gave you. (laughs) Probably the best news Job had heard in a long time. And he said, uh, God said, 
would you pray for them to withhold my anger in their life? Job's like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. This could be exciting. (laughs) What Job did, and you read this since in chapter 40, the way this transitions. Job prayed God's favor and blessing in his friends who treated him aggressively and actually were delusional in their input. He prayed for them. And as a result, God withheld his anger on his friends and he restored Job's life. And the scripture says that the second half of Job's life was better than the first. So what's a way you deal with fails around you, forgiving fails, and moving past that, those, bitter, uh, those bitter roots that you can have until your 80s? What's the key? You pray for those that have failed around you. You pray for them. Uh, now, this doesn't mean you're overly overt about it. Someone comes up to you and says, what are you doing? Oh, I'm praying for you. You've, you've just really messed me up. No, you, you'd be polite. But you pray for them constantly. And what I think you'll experience is your own soul will be restored. You pray for people. You pray blessing on people, and your own soul will be restored. Now, I want to take you through this exercise. I do this when I have someone that maybe is bugging me. I pray a prayer like this, very simply. I just say, God, uh, I know how much people matter to you. That's one of our values here at Adventure. I know how much people matter to you, especially this person. You can insert a name in your head too, especially that person. Bless them. Bless them. Pour your favor out on their heart. Do something good for them. Give them a great day. Uh, just make them stay away from me. No, maybe it's just bless them. Bless them. And when you're doing that, you're actually being a distributor of the same kind of grace and the same kind of favor, the kind of unconditional love that Jesus showed us on the cross. Just bless them. And it may very well be that these are the very people, perhaps, perhaps not, you'll experience long-term community with. They'll become dear friends. Possibly, maybe not. Maybe God will say, that's not going to happen now. Wait till you're in heaven together. I wonder if you have someone in your life now that is coming to mind right now. I just want to pause right now and help you build community in your life by giving you a chance to pray for that person right now. You don't have, not orally, but just right from where you're seated. Can we do that? Just take a moment and bless someone who's failed you or failed around you. Can we do that? Let's do it. Just uh, bow your head if you're comfortable, and I'll lead you in a prayer. Heavenly Father, firstly, forgive us for being critical or judgmental of anybody. It's not our job. Uh, Forgive us for having expectations that are that were unnecessary. And uh, we acknowledge we don't see life like you do, big picture. But we, we confess that uh, sometimes people can really stir anger and uh, jealousy, um, covetousness in our life that's not healthy. 
we know how much people matter to you. And so as we consider uh, someone in our life that's failed us, failed others, right now we just want to pray you'll bless them. That the next half of their life will be better than the first half. That uh, you'll pour your favor out in their heart. And that you'll help us give grace like you have given it to us personally. Bless them, bless them, bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the deal. You start doing that, you're going to have a lot of friends. What's going to happen is the same that happened with Job. You're going to pray God's favor in someone else's life, and personally, you're, you're going to let it go. Now, it might not happen on the first day. It might take, uh, like this ship, 14 days. But the more you do it, the more you're good. You're going to be able to be with people who've wronged you, who've taken advantage of you, maybe who have cheated you, business partners, and you're going to be able to be good with them, totally. The Bible talks about being at peace with all people as long as it is possible for you. You're going to be able to do it because you're praying a Job-like prayer for blessings on others. How do we experience this community of friends? It's not in our past. It's in our future. Firstly, forgive fails. Make it part of your life. Now I want to talk about another way to do it, another way to Grow and develop your community of friends that's in your future. Thomas Edison, I think, models it the best. At age 67, in 1914, inside one of his labs, uh, a fire started, and it, within hours, incinerated his whole plant. The whole plant was estimated at a value in 1914 of $7 million. Can you imagine what that would be like today, <laughs> uh, some project it would have been $100 million. At age 67, a New York Times reporter came to him and said, Edison, you're, Mr. Edison, you're 67 years old. What are you going to do? And listen to what he said to that Times reporter. That evening of the fire, he said, I'll start over again tomorrow. I'm pretty well bummed out tonight. A little little humanity, (laughs) yeah. But tomorrow, there will be mobilization here and debris will be cleared away. If it is cooled sufficiently, and I will go right back to work to reconstruct the plant. How do you ensure that you're building a community of friends long term? I think it's something that is the beginning of everything for all of us. It's the beginning of everything. Having hope for something that God's going to do that is way beyond your ability. And Paul, who's on this ship, brought this group hope. I would have loved to see the face of this centurion. Centurions don't get afraid. Eh, Maybe you do a little bit in the middle of the Mediterranean. (laughs) Owners, I would have loved to see the owner's face. That would have been kind of fun. I would have made fun of him. would have been just to see, not really, I wouldn't have, but I would have been interested in his, in his response. The pilot, to see their face. Paul brings hope. He's not a mariner. <laughs> he, doesn't know the, he, he doesn't know all the functions of sailing a ship, but he brings hope. Look at what he does, and this is 
if you can start bringing more and more hope to your marriage, to your family, to your extended friends, to the staff you work with, you will be building a significant community of friends long term. Look at what he says in at the end of chapter 27, beginning reading in verse 21. He brings hope. He says this, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Notice he doesn't say, I told you so. He's, he's a gentleman. But now I urge you, maybe people are listening to Paul now, don't you suppose? Day 14, <laughs> no one's eaten for two weeks. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. By the way, that word courage there means stay lighthearted. Be cheerful. Salute. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. We got a wacko here. We get a wacko before this ship is sunk. I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Sorry, owner. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you all the lives who will sail with you. So keep up your courage. Again, that word means keep up your courage. Stay lighthearted. Be cheerful. Ha, day 14. We haven't eaten at all. We're about to die. I can't swim. Stay happy. Yeah. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must ground on some island. Paul brings hope. You, you cannot help but read some of the great World War II pieces. Barbara Hildebrand's Unbroken. Ghost stories, what happened on the Philippine Islands. Victor Frankl's Man's in Search for Meaning. And all notice that the key to survival is hope. People who lose hope, it literally shuts down their body. You lose hope, you shut down immediately. But you've got hope, it revitalizes your body. Ray Johnston, pastor at Bayside in Granite Bay. It's a small church if you get a chance to go. He has written a book called The Hope Quotient. Highly recommend you read it. And he identifies about seven essentials for keeping hope elevated in your life. He says one is that you recharge your batteries, stay replenished. Some of you I was thinking this weekend might be here and you're just exhausted. we're lucky to just get to see you in here that you haven't just fallen over and gone to sleep. And I'm thrilled you're here, but I want to encourage you, recharge your batteries, do what it takes in a healthy way. Refuse to go it alone will help your hope quotient. Raise your expectations. Replace burnout with balance. Refocus on the future. Play great defense, which means to defend yourself of all the toxins that can steal your hope. And finally, play to your strengths. Do what you can be the best at. Don't fall into doing everything. Raise your hope. I want you to meet someone that, like this crew on this ship to Malta, Cheyenne Ledbetter, if you'd come forward, like this crew that was on a ship headed towards Malta, they were all going to experience a totally new community that they'd never met before. What you're going to find out here in a moment is all these Maltans that Paul's ship met would welcome him on their island. They would feed them. They would provide uh, fire for them. And eventually, uh, you can imagine this beach scene here uh, with some 200 people uh, on this island. 
these Maltons would even furnish their needs to go on the next leg of their journey. But Cheyenne is unique to us. She's been with us since 2003 when we first started. She actually was part of the nursery team back in the day. And uh, she graduated from Nicholas High School and then went to William Jessup University. She graduated from college at like age 14. And then she went to, check this out, she went to Cambodia to be a part of rescuing girls from the most unspeakable injustice globally. She's been there for over two years, and uh, she has a vision to return in, a, in less than a year or more and to become an international attorney uh, for justice, humanitarian justice. But in Cambodia, you met a lot of people. Wow. Tell us about your community. Scott just made me sound really good. I think um, you're good. So <laughs> thank you for that. Well, how many of you guys have ever moved somewhere new, anywhere, even if it's just down the street? Okay, so I don't know about you guys, but I'm an extrovert, and whenever I move somewhere new, I get a little bit anxious thinking about what is the community going to be like when I move to the new place. Just because I love making friends, love meeting new people, um, but I know that I need a good community to feel like home. And I had no idea what that would be like in Cambodia. I live in Phnom Penh, um, but it turns out that it's some of the best community that I have ever had in my life. And... It's not always easy. We come from a bunch of different places. I have friends from all over the world, so we're traversing cultural differences and language differences um, and all of that, and we're in a pressure cooker environment. But what it comes down to is that many of us love Jesus and all of us love people. So what that looks like in our community is that we fight for each other. So we've all been down in the dumps, and um, we just heap grace upon one another. So When we're in the dumps, all our community just helps us, brings us up, and then we know to give out grace to everybody else. Um, It also means that we communicate. We communicate a lot because there's a million trillion cultural differences, um, even in American culture and Cambodian culture. So it takes a lot of communication. Um, But with all of those things, this community is like a family, and they've taken me – They've been with me through my very low lows and very high highs, and um, I know that they have my back no matter what, and they've really strengthened me and grown me. And uh, just like the people in Malta, the Cambodians have welcomed me and shown me what it's like to um, welcome people, and they've taught me that every stranger is just a friend that you haven't met yet. Um, And, yeah, they've made Phnom Penh a very happy home for me. And Phnom Penh is not, you know, your your Marin County community, right? (laughs) Not exactly, no. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit different. (laughs) A little bit different. Well, we're just, we're so proud of what you're doing. I think most of us are like, she's from, she's working where? Cambodia. Wow. Thanks for your ministry and sharing your story. It's amazing. It's amazing. Here's where we've been. The community we all long for, uh, the Seinfeld, the, the, the Friends-type community, uh, the, the Downton Abbey-type community experience, the Office-type community, maybe not the Office-type community experience we all long for. It's not in your past. It's in your future. How do you get there? Hey, firstly, you forgive fails. Become a distributor of the same generosity God showed towards you on the cross through his son. Be a distributor of that kind of forgiveness to people you're surrounded by. 
And secondly, be a hope bringer. People need hope. Be a distributor of hope. And as you do, people will stick to you. You'll never be without uh, people that want to be by you. And I know some of you were hearing Cheyenne say, I'm an extrovert. How many of you were saying, not an extrovert, I am? Yeah, I get that. And uh, God will provide you the right community that is the best fit for you. So let me ask you, what would keep you from taking the next step to discovering more community, even here today? Um, what would hold you back? Uh, today we're going to uh, offer you a chili cookout. We're going to actually, for those of you that want to see a great car collection, we're going to open the Ram's Head uh, car collection next door. It's open after services. It's, you'll enjoy. Believe me, it's, it'll, it'll over-deliver for you. And we're giving you an opportunity to get connected more at Adventure. There are tables out in the lobby that feature a variety of groups that meet throughout the week, singles and women's and couples. Uh, And if you're interested in a men's group, let me know. Opportunities for you to get connected in the community that you long for, that's a part of your future. You might say, you know what, I don't want to be I don't want to be around people. I'm done. I can't wait till you're done so I can be out of here. I get that. I get that. I have those in my in my own home. Remember this. One doesn't realize in early life that the price of freedom is loneliness. To be happy, one must be tied. And we can fool ourselves in thinking that, hey, <laughs> I'm different. You may be a little different, but you need to be tied somewhere. You need to be tied. Uh, forget forget uh, our kind of presupposition about who Jesus is and what he does. Hey, the stats are sociologically that you need to be tied. They are. Get tied to be happy. You got to be tied because you're going to go through seasons in the next year that you weren't ready for. But if you're tied, you'll be able to endure them. And my hope as a, as the lead pastor here at Adventure is that you leave today with some, some strings where you're tied a little bit tighter to others. Most importantly, I want you to consider being tied to the best hope bringer in the world, and that's Jesus. The one who came to this planet and uh, lived the life in a body like we do, and his father told him, hey, I want you to suffer a substitutionary death for all mankind. And Jesus, in his own humanity, said, hey, if there's another way, let me know. I'd rather not do that. And his father said, there's no other way for all of man's selfishness to be paid for, to be removed, to be expunged. And Jesus said, all right, I'll do what you want, Dad. And he suffered on the cross, a substitutionary death, so that Christianity isn't about a bunch of works. It's not about what we're going to do for God. It's about what Jesus has done on the cross. And so all you do if you become a Christian is you say, you know what? I'm willing to follow Jesus and trust in what he's done. If that's all it is, that's what I'm all in for. I'm willing to do that. Maybe that describes you. Because let me tell you, the safest place to be is in relationship with God through Jesus. 
And if you don't have it, I want you to have that kind of hope. Listen to one word in the about hope that may inspire you today as we bring things to a close and to prayer. In Romans, uh, Paul also wrote about the God of hope. He said, may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is a characteristic of the Spirit of Jesus or the, or the Holy Spirit living in you. Do you have hope? I want you to have it. I believe that the community we're all longing for is not in the past. It's in the future. And we experience it when we forgive fails, just like Christ forgave us. And we bring hope, just like Christ brought to us. Maybe you're ready to take a first step and get to know God a little better. I want to give you a chance to, if that's you, just to take a little private step right here, right now. I'm going to lead in a prayer and give you a chance to word something to God very simply. And if that's you, you can make that decision. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's pray, and then we'll come to a close. God, firstly, uh, hey, thanks for the chili. <laughs> thanks for good times, for a fun car collection, for a beautiful building that you've given us this month. We can't. We don't have words to say thanks for stuff we don't deserve. Most of all, thank you for the fails you forgive in our lives. We want that kind of forgiveness applied to our lives. We fail. And we just ask that you would apply Jesus' work on the cross to our own lives today. Again, we just ask that you would apply jesus experience on the cross to our lives today and if that describes you and for the first time you want the application of jesus suffering on the cross to be applied to you i challenge you right from where you're seated to just say to god yeah apply him to me apply jesus sacrifice to me apply him i accept him it's a tough it's a tough prayer but if you're willing just say jesus apply your death to me and if you have let me tell you you have just grabbed the anchor of all hope to get you through anything heavenly father thank you for this morning and uh, thank you for a community that we long for that's not in our past but that's in our future in jesus name everyone said Amen.